0: Good morning, good morning, Seven Mile Road. How are you today? Well, it's good to be with you. Good to be with you. Enjoying that worship. I almost forgot my cue. Enjoying it so much. Well, it is always a pleasure to be with you. Um, We love the work that we've been able to join alongside with Seven Mile Road and do. You guys have been so supportive of the work that we do in the community where we are. So I do want to take the time to say how much I appreciate you, how grateful we are to be in fellowship with you guys. Amen. Well, I want to share what God has had on my heart this morning. Uh, And I want to start off by just saying, I don't know about you, but when I was a young guy in middle school, I had a circle of friends, and we all were pretty confident and sure we were destined for NBA greatness. Uh, I mean, we thought at the least we'll be college superstars. I mean, that's the rock bottom. But at best, man, we're on our way. We're special. We got what it takes. But as we began to get older, as I began to get older, and, and, and this, this was really our purpose. We, we worked out. We played every day. If we had any free time, it's what we did. It was our purpose. It was our passion. We were giving ourselves to this thing because, man, we are going to make it. But as we got older and got to high school, later on in high school, some realities began to take shape. And I'm sure many of you can relate to this, whether it's sports or band or dance or anything, you begin to realize, man, I thought I was going to be 6'8", but still 6'1". You know, I, I used to be the fastest in the group, but now man, there's a whole lot more people faster than me. And so we begin, I begin to realize, man, maybe NBA greatness is not in my future. Even though I'm still passionate and I'm still, I still love it, so I did what a lot of people do when that happens. I transferred my purpose and passion for the sport into my favorite team and my favorite player. So now I live vicariously, through the San Antonio Spurs and the Dallas Cowboys. They, they, what I, that's, where I, that's how I achieve my sports dreams. If they do well, I feel like I'm accomplishing it. If they don't, man, I'm in the dumps. And now that I'm at the age where I am now, that I have children, two in college, one two in high school, two in college play some collegiate sports, two in high school play sports, I get to live vicariously through them. I can't. I know I'm not going to the championship, but I can root for them, and maybe I can live through them as they make it to the championship. And as long as I, as you do this and you keep it in balance, you know it's not cool to be getting kicked out of the game because you're going at it with the refs, because you're living vicariously through your kids. And I can definitely tell you as a preacher, that's not the, a good look. I'm just gonna leave that. I'm just gonna leave that there. I'm not gonna go into that. But. Uh, But, you know, what I found is, yeah, it's a a balance there. I can can experience that through them, and it's such a great joy to be able to do that. But why am I sharing you all, why am I sharing all some of my life and some of my past with you? Because this is what I want to talk about today. Because unfortunately, too many believers live their spiritual lives like we live our natural lives when it comes to this. We live vicariously through other people's purpose and other people's passion. Never finding that purpose and that passion and that direction in our own lives. And so we live through the great movement of someone else, through the great work that God is doing in someone else's life. When God is saying all the time, every believer, I've created you, for a purpose and a passion and a a way to persevere for me like no one else. No one else can do and live what I've created for for you to do and live by. So you don't have to live through the greatness of somebody else's work. Man, it's our brother or sister in Christ. We can rejoice. We can celebrate. We can even join in at times. But God has created you for something. And unlike the natural, where there comes a day where you say, man, I thought I could do this, but I'm limited physically. I'm limited in my mind. I'm limited by natural abilities, so I can never achieve that. What God has created for you, what He has purposed and destined for you, you got everything it takes. You are the freak of nature. You are the 6'8", six, 6'9", Jump out of the gym, fastest guy on the planet. God's created you with everything you need to do what he's called you to do for the purpose and the passion you should have. And so I want to talk about what does that look like? How do we achieve that? What does that mean for us? I want to look at some passages this morning in Romans chapter 15, verses 14 to 22. If you would turn there with me, as we look at the life of Paul this morning, talk about purpose, perseverance, and passion in the life of the believer. Let me read these passages to you this morning, if you will. And concerning you, my brethren, I myself also am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness and filled with all knowledge, and able also to admonish one another. But I have written very boldly to you on some points so as to remind you again because of the grace that was given me from God, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, ministering as a priest the gospel of God, so that my offering of the Gentiles may become acceptable and sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, in Christ Jesus, I have found reason for boasting in these things pertaining to God. For I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed, in the power of signs and wonders, in the power of the Spirit, so that from Jerusalem around about as far as Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Thus I aspire to preach the gospel not where Christ was already named, so that I would not build on another man's foundation, but as it is written, they who had no news of him shall see, and they who have not heard shall understand. Now Paul is writing this letter to believers in Rome whom he has never met before, and he starts off in verse 14, and I want to be true to the text before I get to the heart of what I want to talk about today. He has a healthy respect for these believers because he says, even though he's about to get into some very basic principles of the faith, some basic simple tenets of the faith, he first tells them, listen, you, I see good things in you. You are full of goodness, and you are sound in the Word, filled with all knowledge. What is he saying here? He's saying you are full of goodness, meaning you care about what God cares about. You, what God says on the matter means something to you. You have dedicated your lives. So full of goodness means, man, what God has to say, man, we are, that means something to us, and that is how we govern our lives. And he says you are filled with all knowledge, meaning you are sound in the Scriptures. You are applying the Word of God to your life. Let me tell you something. If you are going to find purpose in this life, if you're going to find out what God has created you for, you've got to be full of goodness. What he says has to mean something to you. You've got to be filled with the knowledge of the Scriptures because sometimes before God will reveal everything to you, I tell people all this time, people say, Pastor Hill, I want to know what God intends for me and I want to understand how everything aligns in my life. I'm like, before God can reveal to you these things, he's already revealed some things to you in the Scripture that you need to follow. How about just doing that for right now? How about being filled and being concerned with what God is concerned about? So Paul tells them this uh, in the beginning, and then in verse 15, 16 he says, but I have written very boldly to you on some points as to remind you again because of the grace that was given to me from God. To be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, ministering as a priest of the gospel of God so that my offering of the Gentiles may become acceptable. Paul is talking about his purpose and some of his passion here. Paul says, I've been called to preach the gospel to these Gentiles. That's my thing. That's my purpose, and that's what I'm called to do. When believers find their purpose like Paul, they can overcome all kinds of hardships and challenges. I work with young, I, over the years, I've talked to countless young people in my community. Mostly men, but men and women, boys and girls. And oftentimes they say to me, my life is off track. I want to get my life together, man. I want to find out. I want to get myself together. The first thing I tell them is, I give them four points, but the first one is this. Surrender your life to Jesus. Give your heart to Christ. You've got to give it to him. You've got to give it up to find out what it is he's got for you. In essence, you've got to lose yourself to find yourself. You've got to give it up to know what he's got for you. And I tell him this, serve God with all your heart and let him establish what he's created you for. And then I tell him this, don't have any children till you get married. Go to school, get some education, and keep your criminal record clean. Those are the four, that's the four things I tell people over and over in a nutshell. Serve God with all your heart. Don't have children until you get married. Keep your criminal record clean and go to get you some secondary education. The first one is total trust in God. The, the last three, you can, you can control those things. Why? Because when you know what God has created you for, when you find that purpose, you can. There's nothing that can stop what God is destined for your life. And many of them have to face challenges and hardships and all kind of oppression. And you may have to overcome some of those things. But what God has created you for, no man can stop. No man can hinder. And so finding that purpose is essential. But we've got to tap into the Lord. I think back to my own walk after going to school at Texas Southern here, giving my life to the Lord, finding myself involved in the community in inner city work, and then we left Houston, Texas, and we were in south side of Chicago, urban inner city work. The name we call it is hood work. So left Chicago, went to southwest Atlanta in the hood doing work, Jackson, Mississippi, in the hood, doing work. And sometimes when God is unfolding his purpose in your life, you're the last one to get it sometimes. And I had other people ask me, David, why are you always like on the rough side of the tracks when you live somewhere? And they had to down on me, I don't know why. But I began to realize God put this burden in my heart for low-income, inner-city, African-American community. The descendants of African slaves. And I began to develop this purpose and then this passion of seeing folks who were generationally trapped in poverty and, and all of these things. And for some reason, I couldn't go to sleep at night about it. It bothered me that that over 30% of all abortions that happen in America happen on black children. That 72% of, of black children are born in the single parent households, thus they experience poverty at a higher rate than other folks. As I begin to see this played out and as I begin to look at the numbers, it, it, it gripped me and it burdened me and passioned me. And although I had gone to college and I wanted to pursue some other things, for some reason, I just seemed to always kept getting pulled back to this. Sometimes when, when God burdens you something, when there's, when there's a passion for it, you want to do other things, but you just can't not do it. You just, you just find yourself being pulled into it. And I didn't realize it then, but God was doing that in my life. And here's the thing about purpose. Sometimes you don't always like what God's got for you. I'm going to be real with you. I'm probably the second generation group in my family that had an opportunity to go to college and better myself. My family spent a lot of time trying to get out of the hood. When I told them I was going back to the hood to breathe, they was like, boy, what in the world? You done lost your mind? I'm like, I know it doesn't make sense. I understand it doesn't make sense, but this is what God has called me to do. I couldn't even explain it. Sometimes, man, what God has purposed for you, what he's given you a passion for, you can't even explain it to folks. All you know is when you put your head down on the pillow, you're burdened about it. You want to do something about it. You're passionate about it. And so Paul is saying here, listen, I know God has called me to preach to these Gentiles. And he's called me, he says, uh, in a way so I can minister Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, ministering as a priest of the gospel of God so that my offering of the Gentiles will become acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit, in verse 17, he says, Therefore, in Christ Jesus, I have found reason for boasting in the things pertaining to God. Let me tell you something. If you identified or you know what God has purposed you for, what he's called you to do, you've got to make it all about him. Paul says, all my boasting is in Jesus. See, when we make Jesus the centerpiece of what he's called us to do, that's how you establish a lasting call. That's how, you stre- that's how you make your purpose last because it's not built on who I am. It's built on Christ Jesus and everything I do, I give him honor and credit for. Now, here, why is that a problem? Why is that an issue? Because sometimes when we are purposeful and passionate about something and we have some success in it, people like to say, hey, man, you're doing a great job. Your platform elevates. You get to move around and talk about some things. And now all of a sudden the light is shining on you more than it is on Jesus. And I'm just going to be real with you guys. Listen, I'm not immune to a little praise. I I, I don't mind people people saying my name. My name in lights doesn't embarrass me. You know? So I know I'm prone to, to, to get a little too much of my own sunshine. And I have to routinely say, whatever God uses me to do, however He uses me in my purpose, in my passion, I've got to always take a step back and say, to God be the glory. If this life has accomplished anything because I found myself in Him, may He always get the glory. And so Paul is saying, listen, all boasting, everything that I can in ministering to the Gentiles and what God is doing and they're coming to the Lord and we're seeing a great movement happen, may all glory go to him. It's something to be remembered because God may use you in your purpose. He may use you in your passion and you may become elevated. All glory and all honor belong to him. Teeny says for I will not presume to speak of anything except for what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles in both word and deed. It's all about Christ. It's all about Christ. He says, In the power of signs and wonder, in the power of the Spirit, so that from Jerusalem around to Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. And thus I aspire to preach not where Christ was already named so that I would not build on another man's foundation. Here's what I love about Paul and here's what God will do over time. Paul knows not only what he's called to do, what he's passionate about, but he knows exactly how he's called to do it. I'm called to go where no other man has gone. I'm called to go into the rough and hard places. God has revealed to him specifically how he wants to carry out his purpose and his passion. And, And let me say this right here. God will do that over time. And we cannot assume that purpose and passion only comes from people who minister on stage and people who are on staff at churches. God has purpose and passion destined for everyone's life. Whether you ever are, are called to ministry or you ever serve on a staff, right where you are, God has equipped you for what he's called you to do. One of the most amazing things that I am constantly convicted about is my wife. College educated, first in her family to, to graduate from college. And when we got married and had children, this woman took her life and said, my purpose is to raise this family, to raise up godly children, to be an example to my community of what a faithful mother, a faithful wife is like. And she has poured herself into that over 20 years even when being ridiculed and mocked by other women talked about by family members and I am constantly convicted as I say this woman take her life and say this is my call and I'm going to do it as unto the Lord and I'm constantly convicted because my goal is to be the chief servant in my home but I'm like how can I be the leader if you're always out-serving me? And I'm in a constant battle to out-serve my wife, but this woman is gifted. She serves. And it's, and it's humbling to me, and it makes me understand. And see, you don't have to be on staff somewhere. And here's what happens even to preachers like me. We look at other folks, and we look at what I might look at what I'm doing in a, an underserved inner city community, and the enemy always wants to say, David, your little calling ain't, that little rinky-dink calling you got, that ain't nothing big. You ain't, ain't nobody even paying attention to you. So, yeah, look, you look at other folks, they planted churches in two years, they got 800 people. You've been going 10 years, and you barely cracked 100. You're just wasting your time, man. You think God, you think you offering up something that God's going to be proud of? And sometimes God will do that even in our own personal where God has called you to work. Nobody cares about what you're passionate about, what you're doing. You're not as gifted as some of these other folks. Look look at how long you've been doing this and look at what the results are. Let me tell you something. You tell the devil he's a lie and get out the way because it's not about that. God, all he asks of us is faithfulness. Faithfulness to what he's called you to do. He is the one in charge of results. He's the results man. I'm called to just be faithful and do what he's called me to do every day. And Paul gets into that as he talks about uh, man, why should we persevere in this thing. 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 10 says we will all stand before God and give an account one day. As a believer, you're going to give an account for this life. And not only for this life, but for the 70 or 80 years if, if the Bible says to do the strength that you've been given, if you're blessed, you've, you've been given those years for a purpose and a passion. And like Paul said, I'm giving these, my work to the Gentiles as an offering to you, God. And someday God's going to say, what did you do? I gave you 70 or 80 years on this earth and I created you for a purpose and I put a burden and a passion in your heart. What did you do with it? Where's the offering when you stand before him? Or did you spend your time, did you spend all that time trying to make your life as comfortable as you can make it? Did you spend all that time looking at other folks, imagining what you could have done, instead of looking around where you were and saying, God, you've equipped me. You've made me unique. It may not be what this brother or sister's called to do, but you put me here and you've given me these experiences. You, you brought these things into my life. How do you want to use me? And when he does that, he may reveal to you a unique passion that he has given you just like he gave, gave Paul. And here's the thing I want you to be careful with, with passion. And like I told you, I have a passion for the black community, for low income, uh, traditionally urban areas I, 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 that's what God has created me for. I love getting into the nuances of trying to bring the gospel to the issues that are there. But here's the thing I got to be careful and we got to be careful with about passion. Because I'm passionate about life, about that, sometimes I look at other people who are not and like, what's your problem? What's wrong with you? And the energy and the zeal that I have Oftentimes, if I'm not careful, I can turn that sword on my brothers and sisters because they're not passionate about what I'm called to be passionate about. Now, hear me. I love bringing awareness to my passion. I love making other people more informed. But I got to be careful that I don't harm God's people with my passion. See, I'm doing this unto the Lord. And one thing I've learned is God cares about people so much that he sent his own son to die for them. So even if people don't get my passion, I can never injure them. I can't hurt God's people. My job is to love them and help them see what I see. And so even now, as I lift my voice, for years I've been telling people about the issues and the plights of urban black community. And for years people have been slow to get onto that. But now the things that are happening in our society, you see people becoming more aware. The temptation sometimes is to say, I've been telling you that for years. The guy says, no, you don't do that. You love my people. You care for them. So God may burden you with something, and people might, it may be slow to wake up to it. Be patient and let God do his work. Be patient and let God do his work. God loves people, and he may send you into a place. He may burden you with something that's so unique that folks are not even aware about it yet. Be patient and let God use you. And allow him to let you persevere for the work he's called you to do. Paul shares his passion as he aspires to preach the gospel where Christ has not been named. You know, Lin- Larry Crabb, a uh, Christian author, he says this, The core problem is not that, there are, is that we are too passionate about bad things, but that we are not passionate enough about good things. We get passionate about a lot of things. But are we passionate about the things we're passionate about? I don't know what God is for you. I don't know what his purpose is for you. I don't know what his passion is for you. But I do know this. He's created all of us uniquely. He's put all of us in unique situations. And however, whatever you've gone through in your life, whatever things that make you weird to some or nuanced to others, God created you uniquely for that. And he's called you into something. He desires that you embrace him. Jesus gave his life on the cross. He died for us all. So that we would all have an abundant, full life in him. Don't, don't live vicariously through somebody else's spirit. It's okay to be connected. But I want every believer to feel what I feel. Every day when I get out of the bed and my feet hit the ground, it's no better feeling than know I'm doing what God's called me to do. Today I get to get after God, what you uniquely equip me to do. And sometimes I look at other pastors, and I'm like, I can never do, I look at Jeremiah, I can never do what Jeremiah does. I can't do that. I'm not built for that. I'm not equipped like that. But the beautiful thing is, God didn't call me to that. He's called me to do what I'm called to do, and and I'm I'm built for it. I want every believer to have that feeling and not have to look around at other folks and live vicariously through them. We all have to stand before Him one day. We all got to give an account. One of my favorite passages as I close is this, Acts 13, 36. It's one of my favorite... It's my favorite, one of my favorite passages, not because my name is in it, but because I love what it stands for. It says, For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, asleep and was laid among his fathers and underwent decay. You know, the day is coming. I try to eat my kale and exercise as much as I can. I'm trying to stretch this life out as long as I can. But no matter what I do, the day has come. The day will come when my time will be up, your time will be up. We will, they will put us in the ground and we will undergo decay. The question that will remain is did you serve the purposes of God in your generation? All I care about is, will, will they be able to say, with the time that David had on this earth, with the time that you had on this earth, did you serve the purpose of God in, in your generation? Did you, were you full of goodness? Were you full of Scripture, the ways of God, enough to understand and know the purpose of why he created you? And then did you get after that with the time he had for you? That's all that matters when it's said and done. So I wanna pray for you this morning, no matter who you are or where you're from, what your background is, what your level of education is, what your experiences are, that no matter who you are, that you will engage him enough to know the purpose and the passion for your life. And that when the day comes, you will be able to say, they'll be able to say, you fulfill the purpose of God in your generation. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you this morning father i pray for everyone in the sound of my voice father you have equipped us you have prepared us in your own way and in your own fashion for a unique call and gifting for a unique passion father we don't have to live through the lives of others we don't have to dream about what it's like to feel God use us in a way and feel uh, the power of God move through our lives. And Father, the Bible can become alive and can become real to us as you navigate our lives and as we journey with you and as you unfold the plan that you have and the purpose for our lives. And Father, we would live a full life. And we would have a full experience with you. And that when the day comes, we would truly be able to say we fulfill the purposes of God to the best of our ability with the time that was given to us. So, Father, I pray to the mom, to the wife, to the husband, to the father, to the student, to the single person, to the child, to the teenager. Father, no matter where they are in life, what place they may be in, that they would begin to seek you and you would reveal your purpose and passion. That no one would look down on what you called them to. That we would all aspire to be faithful. That when we stand before you, that we have an offering of a faithful life to the call you called us to. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.